Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, December 9th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. We'll chat college football for the first half of the show, college basketball for the second half of today's show. We'll give you a lot of picks, predictions, insights, analysis, regression metrics, all kinds of good stuff here on today's program. You can find all kinds of good stuff over at ATS.io as well. Top sportsbook promotions for this week. A good one from BetMGM on the Thursday night football game. Bet a dollar, win $100 in free bets for any touchdown scored in that Thursday night game. Some good offers over at DraftKings for UFC 256. So head over to ATS.io and read up on all of that, along with predictions and prognostications in the NFL, college basketball, and college football here for this week. Not that far away, the NBA starts but two weeks from yesterday, I think. So that'll be back around here. We'll be covering that over at ATS.io as well. And make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, and find links to download that over at ATS.io. A very powerful resource and tool for you. It's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen, a statistical database. You can buy premium model selections in that app as well to go along with full article integration from ATS.io. So check that out. Google Play Store, Apple Store, search against the spread, or you can head over to ATS.io on your mobile device and go right to the links to download those depending on the device that you've got. With that, we bring on professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, how's it going today, man? Going well, man. Um, real good weekend of college football and NFL for me. Kind of rare that I actually had a good, uh, real good NFL day on Sunday. And I know you had a great NFL day on Sunday too. So uh, nice for us to both come in off a really nice weekend. Yeah, maybe our voice is up an octave or two here uh, coming off of a good weekend. 5-0 and for me in the Circus Sports Million. 38-26-1 on the year. One point out of the money. So uh, we'll see what these last four weeks hold. But you know, hopefully uh, some of the successes I've had will translate over to this four-week sprint here to finish out the season. And kudos to you for being on a 9-1 and run. I know you've been doing very well with college basketball. Good weekend in the, in the football side of things as well. So hopefully bring you a lot of good information here on today's show and again you know i don't know how many new listeners we have at this time of the year but you know we want to give you the tools for handicapping we're not going to sit here and run through a bunch of picks just throw out a bunch of stuff that we're playing here we want to talk about how we're handicapping these games the different stats metrics trends all those kinds of things to help you isolate and see these things for yourself here on ats radio and one of the major components of that for us kyle is to do a lot of box score study from a college football standpoint try to get ahead of the market. It certainly helped when we were doing this show on Monday, but it still gives you an idea of where these teams kind of are going into this week's games. And interestingly enough, we had that game, probably the game of the year last week between BYU and Coastal Carolina, and both of these teams taking some money in the marketplace here in week 15. Yeah, that was a great game. Loves Love the end of that game. Um, you know, you can't give me shit about watching that game, right? No, absolutely not. That <laughs> um, makes up for all the bad games you've watched this year. Right, right. And and I did cash on Akron and Bowling Green, but didn't even try <laughs> to watch that game at all. That's for sure. I had the under in that one. Um, and, and uh, you know, the end of that Coastal game was really something. Uh, it was a good tackle at the one-yard line. Um when the guy catches the two with a little bit of momentum, you kind of assume BYU is about to score. And, and that was one of those where, you know, we, we were watching that game together. My, my son, my wife and I, and all three of us go, Oh, right at the end of the game, you know, you love a game like that. I, that, like you said, I think that was the game of the year and it's kind of fun in a, in a 2020 year where things have been, you know, disappointing overall. And uh, it's kind of hard for a lot of these games to be played. It's nice to have a game that, you know, last minute, it even happened. And then it turns out to be such a great game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, what, what's been so interesting about coastal Carolina is, you know, in terms of talent from a Sunbelt standpoint, they're certainly up there in terms of talent against BYU. A lot of people expected that to be kind of a difficult spot for coastal. They're not as strong in the trenches as BYU, but coastal stayed on the field. They had 38 minutes time of possession in that game. And they basically just played keep away from BYU and it was enough to not only get the cover, but also the outright upset. 
Yeah, it was. That game was a little bit misleading because BYU uh, won the yards for play by a good amount there. But Coastal was able to play keep away, like you said. BYU had some mistakes that that kept them from winning that game. But uh, Coastal, really well-coached team. And I know this is something that you've talked about earlier in the season. Uh, Chadwell can't be there for too long. He's done such a good good job and, and uh, seems like a really likable guy. So uh, easy to root for as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious to see where he goes. And interesting spots for both teams here this weekend. We'll try to work in some game breakdowns because uh, we want to make sure we do some college basketball stuff as well. But, you know, interesting spots for both teams here this week where Coastal, you know, they're laying two touchdowns on the road against Troy. This is one that was 13 and a half, came down to 12. Now it's back up to 14 pretty much market-wide. Next week they play Louisiana for the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. So, you know, Coastal – in a tough spot off that very emotional win. They got to go on the road and lay a big number, then come back and play Louisiana next week for, you know, what ultimately is your goal in a group of five is to play for that conference championship. So Coastal in a tough spot this week. And for BYU, some of the wind out of their sails coming out of that loss, although, frankly, they played very well in that game. And as you said, you know, offensively, seven yards per play, much better than Coastal. They're laying a big number this week against San Diego State where that one's on the rise. And it is a move that I agree with. One of the biggest power ratings overlays I've had over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I have a big overlay there too. I have to say, I don't want to bet BYU. Um, I don't think San Diego State can score many points though. San Diego State's offense is really bad. Really bad. Maybe you consider the under in a game like that if you don't think BYU wants to run up the score because I don't think San Diego State can score much. I mean, 3.4 yards per play against Colorado State, whose defense is is pretty decent, but San Diego State hasn't been able to move the ball on anybody. Um, You know, they're they're winning with uh, a good defense and turnover margin in several of these games. I wouldn't want to bet either side of that game, truthfully. You know, BYU – it's a really bad spot. You know, that was that game. Losing that game means a lot to BYU. Now they don't have that much to be playing for. Talent-wise, though, they are three touchdowns at least better than San Diego State. So why would you want to take San Diego State at only that number? I would lean to the under. Probably I'm not going to bet that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think up until it gets to 17, and, and my number's 25, so my number's way off the market here. But I think – Anything below 17 is a good take with BYU. San Diego State last week had a punt return touchdown and a kick return touchdown in that game, I believe. Did go with a more mobile quarterback, and he was the leading rusher for them. I think Jordan Brookshire is his name. Uh, But that's also not a good thing for San Diego State when your quarterback is your leading rusher because that's a program that's been running the football effectively for over a decade now. So that's not a real good look against some special teams things for them. Uh, I just like you, I don't see San Diego state scoring a lot of points. Even if you miss the number here on this one, San Diego state team total under is probably not a bad look either. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Uh, It's hard to see San Diego state score very many points at all in this game. It's hard to see San Diego state score very many points in any game. So I I think that uh, San Diego state team total there on Friday night or Saturday, when those are out, I think that's a good look. Now, I don't know if Oregon will play Washington. Washington's shutting down with some COVID issues. And as we know, the Pac-12 has been pretty strict about this whole thing. Not as lenient, I guess I'll call it, as some of the schools in the South and in the Southeast. But you know, if Washington and Oregon play, uh, Oregon should not have lost that game to Cal last week. No, Oregon has, has really... Oregon's been a disappointment for the year, certainly, but Oregon really should have never lost that game to Cal last week. 6.1 yards per play to 3.44 yards per play for uh, Cal. Negative two turnover margin for Oregon. They were also over one on fourth down, which is essentially a turnover, and Cal two for three on fourth down. Cal is not a very good team. Oregon is a big disappointment. You know, I think Oregon's one of the biggest disappointments for me this season. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Oregon here, but I wouldn't want to be laying a bunch of points with Oregon this week. Washington, I think um, their defense is still a solid defense. So to me, uh, I would be wanting to take the points with Washington, but I'm not anxious to take the points with Washington if I know there's COVID issues there. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, this is a number now that's gone up from five to six. Part of this maybe because of that misleading box score result uh, for Oregon last week, part of it with Washington's COVID issues. But you and I both have this number lower. I'm at two and a half. You're at three. So, you know, if this game gets played, I don't know if we're going to have a play on Washington, but, you know, both of us with some power ratings overlays in that one. 
Uh, let's stay out West here. And, you know, I, I think, I don't know if I texted you or sent you a message on hangouts or whatever, but the, the Wyoming and New Mexico result, I, you and I just baffled by that one, how Wyoming could wind up losing that game. And I know that Levi Williams is hurt now for Wyoming. And I do have a little bit of an overlay in their game against Boise state this week where I do like Wyoming, but coming off of last week's performance, I, I don't know if I could trust the Cowboys at all. Yeah. I like Craig bowl a lot as a coach. It's surprising that his team would lose a game like that. New Mexico is on their fifth string quarterback. Um, they still won that game. Wyoming had 6.8 yards per play. New Mexico, 4.6 yards per play. Wyoming fumbled about the three-yard line um, and where they would have been taking the, the lead. And then New Mexico was able to run out the clock. Wyoming is still a team that I would rather bet on, especially at home. So I, I do lean uh, Wyoming against Boise. And Boise, I think, may be a bit overvalued by some people in the market based on what we've said in the past that – Boise's offense has really not been as good as what people would think because they've scored a lot on defense and had short fields. So um, I lean Wyoming in that one. Although, like you said, uh, Wyoming on a third string quarterback, so it's not easy to be too excited about it. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, my number six, taking Williams into account, probably eight and a half, nine or so, market at 11 and a half for that one. So still lean Wyoming. You know, uh, Boise with some bigger goals in mind as well. They're already locked in, I believe, to next week's Mountain West championship game. And of course the championship game puzzle, uh, the pieces are just kind of all over the place for a lot of the conferences here this year. So, you know, we don't have the same kind of situational angles and, and all of that here that we would typically see, you know, in advance of these conference championship games. And of course, in advance of bowl season, whatever that may end up looking like. There were a couple of very low score, or there was one low scoring game last week and one high scoring game where the box scores just didn't really align You've got the low scoring game listed in your notes here with Colorado and Arizona. Yeah, Colorado 24 to 13 over Arizona, 7.6 yards per play to 5.66 yards per play. Over 900 yards of offense in 24 to 13. You're not going to see that very often. Colorado has really impressed me this year, and Colorado's a team that I would only want to back instead of bet against at this point. Arizona, a team that I don't want anything to do with here the rest of this season. I don't know that they even care. I know a lot of guys opting out there, guys transferring. Arizona's a bet against or a pass. Uh, Colorado is the team that I want to back or or pass. So 24-13, though, very misleading that it was only 37 total points in that game. Well, and, and the other one on the other side for me here, and I know this is a game you did have the over on. I wound up taking North Texas, and you've had plenty of losses that went the opposite way here. So I'm not going to not gonna say anything about you getting this one because I'm sure you deserved it, but – La Tech in North Texas, only 727 yards of offense in this game, but it went over the total pretty easily with 73 points, 4.2 yards per play for Louisiana Tech, 5.44 for North Texas. The teams were 14 for 31 on third down and four for seven on fourth down. So that kind of helped a little bit. La Tech got a short field, North Texas turned it over on their own 36 yard line uh, on fourth down. So that kind of helped with a little bit of a short field, but the reason why I bring it up is because La Tech takes on TCU this week, assuming that game's not canceled. I am not a TCU guy. I don't think you are either. We've kind of talked a lot about them, and we'll talk about TCU and their box score from last week in a minute. But if you think La Tech scoring 42 points is a sign of good offensive play, it was not from last week's game. Right. North Texas's defense is about as bad as they come. So if you can only get that yards per play against North Texas, you can't think you're going to score too many points on TCU. TCU's offense is a problem. Their defense is still at least pretty good. So um, I would say that the game state probably played a little bit of a role in La Tech only having that many yards per play because they were ahead because North Texas kind of just fumbled the game away, um, went for it on their own side, didn't get it. La Tech plays really conservatively for the second half of that game, and they it worked. You know, no, There wasn't much scoring at all in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, you're right. That was definitely a game that shouldn't have been as high scoring as it was. And it was one where I made a bit of a downgrade to North Texas's total based on what happened in last week's game. So if it weren't for last week's game, I probably would have been betting the over this week on North Texas against UTEP. But uh, that looks like that will be a pass for me now. Well, and speaking of TCU, five turnovers last week, minus four in turnover margin, and they still beat Oklahoma State. And you and I considered using Oklahoma State and Baylor for a highlight video a little bit later on in the show, just because 
I don't think either one of us can figure out why Oklahoma State is taking money in that game. You know, when you're plus four in turnover margin and still find a way to lose, that's a hell of a lot of red flags. Yeah, and uh, Oklahoma State had a defensive touchdown in that game, I believe. And then, you know, they had the lead. They were up 13 nothing. They missed an extra point, so they were only up 13 nothing. Then they take another lead late in the game and let TCU come right back down and score. Oklahoma State had many chances in that game to win that game. They, they couldn't do it. Spencer Sanders, a guy that I was too high on. You know, unless something changes, he is not as good as a lot of people thought he was going to be. He's not a very good passer. And uh, we know he can run, but he's been pretty banged up. So, you know, when he has an ankle injury or leg injury of some kind, they don't want to run him too much. And that's basically what he's good at. So um, Gundy uh, is a good coach and he's been a good coach ATS, but I don't know what to do with this Oklahoma State team. And it seems like some people are still pretty high on them. So it's, it's kind of hard to understand coming off that game. Yeah, I think I'm going to be forced into playing Baylor. I mean, I'm I'm not going to take them that quick because I, Baylor is – they've been – I don't want to say underwhelming, but I've paid very little attention to what Baylor has done this season. And, and Oklahoma State's a team we've talked about a lot here on the show because their power rating's been like a roller coaster ride, like Millennium Force at Cedar Point or something like that. It's been absolutely insane the way they've gone up. They were a top 10 team in some people's minds. Now maybe they're not even a top 30 team for some people – and they're really not for me. So, you know, I think I'm going to wind up on Baylor for that one, but I'm not rushing to make that play. I want to see how high that line continues to go. A few other box score things to touch on real quickly here, and we'll just sort of group all of them together in America's heartland. Some things with both the Big Ten and the MAC. Yeah, you know, the Big Ten, Indiana wins 14-6 to six, uh, against Wisconsin, but 4.1 yards per play for Indiana, 5.0 for Wisconsin. Indiana plus one turnover margin, one penalty on Indiana in that game and eight on Wisconsin. You know, I, I like Indiana. I like their coach Um, as a program. I find them easy to root for. I think some people are too high on Indiana now, you know, they they've won some of these misleading games throughout the course of the season, you know, their yards for play net on the season, I believe is negative. So I'd have to look at that. Um, I know that it's really bad compared to what their record is. So Indiana, a team that I think the market is a bit too high on at this point. I do have to say, you know, Tuttle played well uh, stepping in for Penix, um, you know, and he's a guy that was pretty highly recruited. So it may not be a massive downgrade to him, but Indiana has been, uh, you know, fairly fortunate to have the record that they have this this time in the year. Western Michigan, 8.0 yards per play to Eastern Michigan, 7.0 yards per play, but they lose 53-42. Western Michigan, negative three turnover margin in that game. Eastern Michigan, two for two on fourth down, five penalties on Eastern Michigan and 13 on Western Michigan. So a very misleading game there. Um, there's a lot of bad weather in these Mac games this week. So that's something I wanted to point out that I've seen some line moves already on these totals uh, pretty much across the board, getting bet down. So keep an eye on that when we're going to see, looks like, you know, 15 to 20 miles per hour wind and some rain in some of these games. So definitely something you're going to want to look at uh, ball state won 45, 20 over central Michigan. They're almost even in yards for play 5.5 to 5.2 four turnovers for central Michigan, negative three turnover margin. So that one should have certainly been closer than it was. And then Akron wins 31 to three, despite being outgained 295 to 282 plus three turnover margin. Uh, the game was just about as ugly as it was expected to be. And, and I did want to note, like I said earlier, I did not watch this game. I do have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, I, I definitely had no interest in watching that game either and, and really barely followed it uh, despite, you know, being in, and Akron alum here and uh, go Zips. I don't know, maybe it's soccer season or, or something like that for them. Um, Western Michigan and Ball State is interesting because, as you said, you had a misleading box score for Western Michigan last week and the same thing for Ball State, where Ball State was, you know, plus three in turnover margin. They probably were still going to win the game anyway, but it should have been closer than it was. Now you've got Western Michigan at Ball State this week for the West Division title in the Mac for a berth at Ford field next week to take on Buffalo. And you see a little bit of a line move there where Western Michigan has come down from three to two, probably due in large part to the box score study coming from last week's set of games. So that's one of those where again, paying attention to the box scores, you could have gotten Western Michigan plus three instead of now, if you're considering the game, Western Michigan plus two. 
Yeah, and this is one of them where the total's getting back bet down. It was at 72, and it's uh, gradually getting bet down. And this one's 68, as we look right now. 18 miles per hour wind with rain expected for this game. I think I'm trying to think of who, which team that rain would help in this game. Western Michigan's more of a running team, so I would assume that probably helps Western Michigan in this game. I would probably like the over at this number if it weren't for the weather. I think both of these teams have a big edge on the on the defense, but can't take an over at 68 with bad weather. So um, interesting game. Not sure I'll end up betting it based on that forecast. Yeah, I think it's tricky because, you know, you look at this Western Michigan team, 12.2 yards per pass attempt, number one in the country, 16 to one touchdown interception ratio. They've had some very big plays in the passing game with Caleb Ellaby. We talked about Dwayne Eskridge and, you know, how good he's been. I think you could make a case that the weather hurts Western Michigan more. But again, totals coming down with a Western Michigan defense that's awful and an offense that's very huge from a yards per play standpoint and the lines coming down. So maybe the market does believe that Western Michigan can still move the football on the ground. Tough handicap, I guess, is, is kind of the primary takeaway there. But again, a lot on the line as the winner of that game, you know, gets a chance to play for the conference title. Yeah, and Caleb Huntley is listed as questionable for this game for Ball State. So uh, that's a really big injury. Huntley is a, a load there running back. So uh, we'll want to know if he plays in that game because that'll matter a lot as well. All right, a few other things here to take a look at, some interesting stats. Maybe, uh, you know, still a little bit more box score stuff, but just some more things to kind of consider here as we go forward. And, and we talk about that Oklahoma State-Baylor game. And, and one of the reasons why I like Baylor, and of course, Baylor with former defensive coordinator Dave Aranda now as the head coach, Baylor kind of suffocated Oklahoma's offense last week, which makes me doubly surprised why Oklahoma State's taking the money here. Yeah, I don't know where that game came from, from Baylor and Oklahoma. I definitely wouldn't have expected that kind of game. Neither team even gets to 300 yards, uh, 4.6 yards per play for Oklahoma and 3.5 for, for Baylor. Um, you know, this this is a game where Baylor's defense has improved, and that's not shocking with Aranda at uh, head coach. But, you know, Baylor's offense can't really be trusted. Um Oklahoma, I still think they're a good offense. Their defense is a bit better than they have been. I still don't think I'd trust them a lot. Um, Other ones with interesting stats, I have to say, Iowa State completely dominated West Virginia. And last week we talked about this game. I know I said I like the under the best. You said you liked Iowa State. You were definitely right on Iowa State. Uh, They played really good football of late. You know, I know there was a lot of people talking about why is Iowa State seventh in the new rankings. Um, Iowa State has really played well lately. I, I think that discounting Iowa State too much would be, uh, you know, too much of a slight on them. I'm not saying that they should be ranked in a certain spot or not, but uh, they're a good team. You know, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, good defense. Uh, Iowa State's really played well here of late. A couple more I want to say real well, quick. Let me, let me interrupt you real quickly okay. because we've got Oklahoma playing West Virginia this week. And this was a line that was 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half when these two teams were supposed to play what was it, two or three weeks ago. Now this line, we've seen movement on Oklahoma up to 14. So we have Oklahoma last week not doing anything offensively against Baylor, and we know Oklahoma has a very explosive offense. West Virginia runs into a buzzsaw in Iowa State that's playing very, very well. West Virginia did miss you know that Oklahoma game with some COVID worries and, and all of that, but what do you make of the fact that West Virginia is now plus 14 against Oklahoma, and it feels like they're being punished for last week's game, whereas the market's just kind of overlooking Oklahoma's ineptitude on offense. I could only bet West Virginia in this game, that's for sure. And I actually kind of starting to think that there's going to be a 14 and a half here. And if there is, I'm going to have to bet it. Um, you know, I, I kind of wonder in this year of COVID, you kind of wonder if something's going on with West Virginia, kind of like last week when Liberty started going up, the line started going up against Coastal Carolina. It turned out, you know, there was a reason for that happening. That's why uh, it's I'm hesitant to bet on things like this because you wonder what's going on behind the scenes. But no way I could lay it with Oklahoma here. Oklahoma hasn't won games by a lot on the road in the past in the Big 12. And I don't know why we would think they would here. Even with the, the different COVID environment, West Virginia still has a good home field advantage. So you know, they would be one of the bigger home field advantages in the country, certainly. I, I could only take West Virginia in this game, and I think that they're getting knocked pretty hard for what happened last week. But uh, 
you know, that's still a pretty good defense. And, you know, you catch 14 points flat or 14 and a half, uh, very tempting. Well, and especially too, I mean, Oklahoma, you know, again, last week had the offensive outage, but for the most part, their defense has greatly improved over the course of this season as well. So again, I'm thinking lower scoring expectation in Morgantown. If I'm getting the full 14, you know, at minus 110 or, or even minus 105 and, you know, or have the chance at a 14 and a half. I mean, I, I got to play West Virginia at that point with, again, like I said, I think a lower scoring expectation in that game. Yeah, I think I'll I'll bet this one myself personally, whether it ends up as a, a client play or not, I'm not sure. A lot of times I bet a few games personally smaller. Um, this is one where I'm not anxious to bet it, but the line is about to make me bet it. You know, this isn't one that I would have circled before the week that I wanted to bet West Virginia. But when you see that kind of line move, um, it, like you say, it, it creates enough value that you almost feel like you have to take it. Kind of a bummer here that we're not talking about Army and Navy as a standalone game. I, I know you and I always love to talk about that. It's an easy thing to do on a show where otherwise we're just talking about, you know, early bowl games, talking about bowl betting strategies, stuff like that. Then we get to focus on Army and Navy. And unfortunately here with the way the schedule has been kind of thrown around and, and sort of moved around a little bit. Army and Navy playing here on a weekend where a lot of other teams are playing. And interestingly enough, this is not the last game for Army in the regular season. They'll play Air Force next week, assuming that Air Force and Army don't have any COVID issues or anything like that. 14 straight unders in the Army-Navy game, but it's finally been priced into the market, it feels like. Yeah, you know, I always want to bet the under with this, and I think I won seven or eight years in a row with the under. Uh, You know, a lot of times it was in the 50s, and then it got down in the mid-40s, and you start saying, man, it's too many people are catching on, and now it's in the 30s, and I can't take the under at that price. I will say Navy's offense has been really bad the last couple weeks. They had 2.4 yards per play last week against Tulsa. Tulsa is a good defense, but they're not that good of a defense, you know. Um, I I think that this game still projects as a low-scoring game, it's a game that I'd like to watch, but I don't think I want to bet. No, I think that makes sense. And uh, let's run through these regression notes that you have real quickly here. I think these are some pretty interesting ones and and definitely worth talking about before we hit on a couple of games and then transition over to college hoops. Yeah, Colorado State's defense, I've mentioned them before, but this is really um, an extreme example. They're 14th in yards per play allowed, and they're 105th in points per game allowed. It's hard to be that much of a, you know, a split there, but Colorado State has been able to do it based on turnovers. Uh, still, that defense looks like it's a lot better than most people would think. Arizona State, 74th in yards per play allowed, 50th in points per game allowed. So I think Arizona State is probably not as good as some people think they are at this point in the season. Eastern Michigan, 23 for 23 in the red zone on offense. Eastern Michigan's offense isn't as good as they look right now, certainly. Um, that's a team that I'd rather bet against than bet on at this point, especially coming off their misleading win uh, against Western Michigan there last week. And then Georgia Tech, 12 of 15 um, fumbles from their opponent, they have recovered. So they've had a lot of fumble luck there. And Georgia Tech, a team that both you and I would be uh, looking to possibly bet against this week. Colorado State's played four games. They've given up three punt return touchdowns. I I don't know how the hell you do that. They also gave up a kick return touchdown, as I mentioned against San Diego State last week. So four return touchdowns on punts and kicks for Colorado State. That's certainly contributing uh, to that big gap between yards per play allowed and points per game. And, you know, I think Steve Adazio probably should fix that here over the offseason. So maybe Colorado State a play on team going into 2021. And that's something that you know, it's not a bad idea to start kind of thinking about some of those angles in your mind, but you mentioned Georgia tech and the fumble luck. And here's one of the games that we want to touch on here. Uh, we're not going to do any highlight videos from today's show. I just, we don't have time trying to fit everything in here with the college basketball stuff, but Pitt and Georgia tech here on Thursday night, Pitt six and a half total 54 and a half. I think you and I are both going to wind up on the Pitt Panthers here. It's just a matter of making sure we get six and a half and, and not having to take seven. Yeah, you know, Pitt has had a lot of injuries throughout the course of the season, and they had some really ugly performances without Pickett. You know, Pickett is certainly a big upgrade over their backup. Uh, Pitt still has a good uh, front seven on defense. Their secondary is not quite as good as they have been. Uh, they had a guy opt out and then an injury back there. So I don't I don't see Georgia Tech, though, being able to block the front 
front seven for Pitt's defense. I think Pitt gets in the backfield a lot in this game. Georgia Tech, you know, people thought maybe they were good after that first game when they beat Florida State, but that ended up being about Florida State. So um, Georgia Tech, not a team that I'm very high on. I think uh, six and a half is a good price on Pitt this week. So this will be one that I look at quite a bit here. I've been cautious to bet games early in the week for for obvious reasons. So uh, I'm going to wait till closer to this game time. But Pitt, I think, is a pretty good look here against Georgia Tech. What What are those obvious reasons? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's a crazy year to say the least here. And also, do you got a freshman quarterback and Sims going up against that? You know, Pittsburgh uh, that you know, pass defense that they have, which again, when they don't get to the quarterback, they kind of struggle in coverage a little bit, but they get to the quarterback quite a bit. And you got to think with a freshman quarterback, they'll have a good chance at kind of confusing him. I think both of us are in the 10 and a half range uh, on that game. So looks like Pitt will be a play for both of us. What about this Friday game here in the mountain West, Nevada and San Jose state, San Jose state, two and a half point favorite 58 and a half to total. And I believe uh, the Mountain West got rid of co- or divisions here for this year. So the winner of this game goes to the Mountain West Conference Championship game against Boise State. And I never thought I would say that about the San Jose State football team. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, what a well-coached team. Um, you know, really good job by Brennan and his staff. Uh, this is one where Nevada is going to be the best passing offense that San Jose State has seen so far. And San Jose State's run defense has been really good. Their pass defense has been a bit of a problem. Uh, at the same time, I think Nevada's pass defense is a bit of a problem as well. I kind of like the over in this game. I'm seeing 58 or 58 and a half. 58, a fairly important number in football. So I definitely want to get 58 there. I think both passing attacks can have success against the other team here. You know, Carson Strong is is a good quarterback for Nevada. I think he's underrated by most people. He's very good in the air raid offense. I haven't quite understood why Nevada wants to play slowly. You know, you don't usually see an air raid offense that is 100th in tempo in the country. They play very slow, but they're very efficient on offense. They have a great um, wide receiver in uh, Romeo Daubs, I believe is his name. And, uh, you know, Nevada, to me, a team that, if I was betting a side here, I'd want to bet on Nevada. I'll let you talk about the side a little bit more, but I like the over better than I like the side in this one. So I'm going to go Nevada and San Jose State over the 58. I am a bit concerned that Nevada doesn't play any faster than they do, but I think this is one where you see some big plays in the passing game. And I will give the odds makers credit for this one. I mean, this one opened in that 58 range, right? This isn't one that that's had a, a significant move. And these are two teams that are allowing 4.96 yards per play. You know, in the past, you wouldn't have seen a total like this for two defenses allowing under five yards per play, but it just speaks to how much more efficient and how much more intelligent the market is as a whole on both sides of the counter here. So credit to the odds makers for that. They're making us pay a decent number here with two teams that have very good defensive statistics. I agree with you that the over is the way to look here on the total. But again, you know, props to the odds makers because this is probably a number three, four, five years ago that opens, you know what, 54, 54 and a half, 55, something like that, and it gets bet up to this point. So credit to them for that. As far as the side handicap goes for this one, judging by the fact that this game is in Las Vegas because of the restrictions and the protocols and all that pretty much across California, but especially where San Jose state plays this game's in Las Vegas. So I incorrectly in my power ratings article this week gave San Jose state home field advantage. So my number is more like Nevada minus three and a half here. And the reasons are twofold. The first is the market has really liked Nevada this year. We've seen Nevada lines get pumped up a little bit. We've seen some adjustments up on Wolfpack numbers here throughout the season. And I do believe there's some legitimacy to that. And I did like them going into last season as well. So now with another year in this air raid with Carson Strong, I'm not surprised to see them being a better team. The second thing is exactly what you mentioned. San Jose State, great story, awesome story. Not going to be upset if I lose this bet because I think this program deserves this. But at the same time, the slate of offenses that they have played has been very, very poor, to say the least. Not to say that Nevada has played a great schedule either, but this is a massive step up in class offensively for this San Jose State defense. And I want to see how they handle it. And I want to see how they handle an offense that can throw it on them 
against offenses that are you know predominantly one-dimensional and have to run the football. Hawaii can spread it around a little bit, and they do do okay in the passing game, but not to the degree that Nevada does. I just think this is a little bit of a tough spot for San Jose State just because of who they've played to this point. So it uh, sounds like you and I are both going to have some action on this game. Yeah, and Hawaii did score 24 points, I think it was, on them. So, you know, Hawaii had some success on offense, and I think Nevada is a better offense than is Hawaii. Um, and, you know, some of the other big wins for San Jose State, you know, it was a nice win over San Diego State, but we just talked about San Diego State. We know that they have no offense, especially no passing offense. So definitely San Jose State has not been challenged uh, in the passing game the way they're going to be in this one. All right, so before we transition over to the college basketball side of things, and I'll try to run through a lot of games on Thursday with Brad Powers. We'll kind of do a a quick hitting type of thing, roll through a lot of the cards since we didn't get to cover too much ground on specific games here today. But before we transition over to the college hoops side, any other games in college football that they've kind of caught your attention? Well, uh, looking down the board, you know, North Carolina and Miami, I think an interesting game. One where I kind of had that one circled. I might want to bet the over. And then they put out such a high number and it's up to 67 and a half, 68. I can't bet the over at that number. I think it's interesting to see that the line has gone from four and a half down to three. Um, I don't know that I want to bet this game, but I think it's certainly an interesting game. Uh, Like I said, there's a lot of weather in the Midwest. Um, Wisconsin and Iowa, a game that I, I tend to like the under, but it's at 41 and a half, you know. I have to be honest and say that I know I'm going to have the smallest card I've had so far this year in college football. I've only made one bet so far this week, spent a lot of time getting ready for totals and they were nearly right on my number on all of them. That's a little bit frustrating. I know it's a good sign in a lot of ways, but it's a little bit frustrating to spend so much time and only have one play at the same time, you know, you get later in the season, the market is certainly more efficient. So it's something we've talked about the last couple of weeks is that I think the lower volume approach in college football now, probably the better way to go. And if you're going to bet high volume, I think uh, college basketball, probably the better way for you to go there. I agree. And it makes a hell of a lot of sense for you to be focusing more of your time and attentions on college basketball. And uh, if I was better at hosting this show, we would have spent more time on college basketball than college football. But the last one that I'll mention here on the college football side is LSU in Florida. Now I don't know if LSU is ready to kind of mail it in on this season. Obviously they're nowhere near last year. Ed Orgeron's had tirades and tantrums on the sideline yelling at his freshman quarterbacks and, and this and that. But the one thing that's interesting to me is that like two weeks ago, Florida was a 23 and a half point favorite at home against Kentucky. And now they're around the same number against LSU. And if you want to stack rank talent in the SEC, even with everything that LSU lost, LSU is much higher than Kentucky. So I think this line was mispriced a little bit, kind of seeing a little bit of LSU money filter into the market to a degree. I'm not saying I'm excited to back LSU, but just from an equity standpoint, I don't think LSU and Kentucky are, are like a pick them on a neutral or anything like that. So I think there's a little bit of value in LSU this week, but obviously, you know, a, a tough bet to make. That being said, again, Florida, they're look, maybe looking ahead to Alabama next week in the SEC championship game. So maybe that helps LSU a little bit in this one. Yeah, and I, I think to, to your point, Florida hasn't really looked very good in their last couple games, at least not a big what, favorite role. No, right. At least compared to what other people thought they were two or three weeks ago. So it's interesting to see that line be what it is. Um, LSU has not looked good either, to be fair. So, I, you know, neither of these teams have looked great lately. Florida, clearly the better team, but 23, a big number there. I know LSU has some guys opting out of the season. Um, I don't know that they're fully invested in this game. I, I have to say, I don't, I don't think I want to bet LSU here, even with that line number. So, you know, maybe, maybe the over, if I had to bet anything in this game at 67, they probably want Trask to get some big numbers. And this is a good chance for that, I would think. But, you know, can LSU score enough? I don't know. This is, a, this is one where the line would suggest you should take LSU, but I think it's one I'd rather pass. Yeah, it's one I'm still thinking about. I'm not too worried about losing line value or anything like that. For what it's worth, I have LSU minus two on a neutral against Kentucky. So it's not like it's a huge overlay, a huge advantage, or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, still just something I'm considering here uh, for week 15. But with that, let's transition over to the college basketball side for the last 20 or so minutes of the show here. And, you know, we always talk about a lot of under the radar types of things in college basketball. And, you know, we'll talk about things from a short term standpoint, a medium term standpoint. And a long-term standpoint, 
And some of the pace changes here that you have at the top of the notes that you sent me, these are things that may take the markets a little bit of time to catch up with. Yeah, and this is something I, I spent a lot of time looking for at the beginning of the college hoop season. I think if you're a totals better, it's the first thing you should be looking at early in the season because you're not going to see too many pace changes in the middle of the season. Occasionally, you'll see a coach that does that. But at the beginning of the year, this is where you can really get an edge. I want to talk about George Washington first. They're playing much faster than they were a year ago. Jamie on Christian, you know, he's been kind of back and forth um, at the places he's been before as to whether he plays fast or slow. Last year, they were using 18.9 seconds per possession. This year, 14.4. That's a huge difference. You're not going to see that big of a difference hardly ever. Massive Massive change, and they're really using a lot more pressure defense and getting out in transition. I will say they're not a very good offense, so I don't know that they're going to win games based on this, and maybe they're a good bet against as well because I think the other team is going to score a lot of points on George Washington as long as they can hold on to the basketball. So overs with George Washington, um, you know, I, I bet I bet it the other day, George Washington and UMBC over. That was one of my wins. I'm going to be looking at George Washington overs here in the near term as well. Um, I'll go ahead and say a couple more. Air Force, Joe Scott, we talked about them before the season. So hopefully you guys have been taking the unders with Air Force because this is one of them we talked about on the very first show. They're playing extremely slow. No one playing slower in the country than Air Force so far this year. If you look at their games this year, extremely low scoring. So Air Force, I don't know that the market has caught up with them. So I'll still look to take unders. However, unders aren't going to be as easy to come by now as what they were earlier because they've had so many really low scoring games. So there will be an adjustment made. Montana, 17 seconds uh, per possession last year and 18.8 seconds per possession so far this year slower in the early going I'm not sure if that's who they've played against or if it's more of a pace change I think that you know that's one to keep an eye on one more I wanted to say that we already talked about earlier in the year as well that has done really well hopefully you've been betting these as well UIC slower and much better defense with Luke Yaklich at um, head coach I hope the listeners have been taking unders here. I will say UIC's defense, if you look at their defensive profile right now, there isn't a coach in the country that should be able to keep stats the way that UIC has right now. I think opponents are shooting like 14% on three-pointers or something like that. You know, it's, it's just not going to continue. So I do wonder if the UIC under train can keep going as well as it has been so far this year, but it's been a good one so far, certainly. I just, man, I don't get it when you're Air Force or you're Wyoming or you're Denver or something like that. I'm trying to run as fast as humanly possible. I I just, in altitude, I don't understand why you would squander that advantage and play super slow. So to me, I kind of wonder going forward with Air Force here too, if this is something that's a detriment from a side standpoint for them where, yeah, I realize they're going to play, you know, lower scoring expectations. If they're a big dog, maybe you take them. But, you know, I just, to me, it seems like you're kind of squandering that built-in home court advantage. Yeah, I guess the only argument for a team like Air Force is their talent is not as good as a lot of the other teams in that league. So maybe, you know, talent wise, if you if you don't want to run because you probably don't have as many scores as the other team, I think that would be the other point to that. But, you know, uh, in in general, I would think Wyoming, you know, would, would want to play fast, especially. But, you know, Air Force is a team that I don't think will win a lot of games in that conference. So probably a team I'd rather bet against. And and like I said, I, I'm not going to be betting any overs with Air Force the entire season. You won't see an Air Force over on my card all year. Maybe more unders, possibly. Uh, I think it'll get a little bit harder than it's been so far this year. I'm going to say two more. SMU, they were 300th in average possession length last year. They're 12th so far this year. So really big tempo change to play faster here. I'm surprised by this one. Uh, Yankovic, not really a guy that I would – expect you know they would be able to play that fast throughout the course of the season because under Larry Brown uh, the guy that he was mentored under you know they like to play slow I'm surprised that he would change it but maybe they're going to let's keep an eye on this one I don't know if they'll keep that up or not Drexel as well Drexel 19.7 seconds per possession on offense this year 18.4 last year and 17.9 two years ago I think Spiker has decided to try to hide this Drexel defense, which is really bad. And and these are important ones too. I mean, you know, there's, you have some instances where it's a new head coach and it's a change that's going to stick with SMU. This is one worth watching on a game by game basis. And, And the nice thing is 
over at a site like BartTorvik.com, that's T-O-R-V-I-K, he's got charts that show you the tempo for each game. So you can kind of see the trend line if teams are getting slower, if teams are getting faster. Right now, SMU playing at this fast pace, maybe they get some inflated final scores, and then in the middle of the season, they start to slow it down, but their totals aren't adjusted to the fact that they're slowing down. So that's one I'd pay very close attention to. Same thing with a team like Drexel. Again, when it's a new head coach, it's one thing. When it's maybe a stylistic change or based on who you've been playing, that's another. And that's one that, you know, the odds makers will be sort of chasing around a little bit. I think that's a really good point because, you know, if you look at Bart Torvik's site, looking at that trend line, you know, you can you can see a graph there right right in front of you as to, you know, who did they play and what was the tempo. So it matters who they played certainly as well. So, you know, if they're playing a team that plays really fast, maybe they just go along with them. Then they start playing other teams that are slow. Are they still going to push the tempo the same way they were? Or do they go back to being what they were in the past? So um, I think SMU is one that I'm going to be playing close, close, paying close attention to and uh, not a team that I'm just going to blindly bet overs with because I'm not sure that they're going to keep that up. On the other side, you know, um, George Washington is a team I would just want to bet overs with. You know, I think that they are playing that way differently. Jamion Christian talked about in the offseason he wanted to play faster. We've talked about that a lot of teams like to say that. They're proving that they're doing it this year, so I think they're going to continue to do that. All right, so we'll run through some regression stats here for some teams, and, and we love doing this. And obviously, again, you know, we're talking about really anywhere between one and six data points here so far for these teams. So we're not talking about big sample sizes or anything, but we are talking about some of the most significant outliers that are out there on the board. And we'll start here with a couple of teams from Ohio, one from you and one from me. Cincinnati's opponents are getting back 3.9% of their misses uh, for offensive rebounds so far this year. There's no way this can continue the best in the nation last year at defensive rebounding was allowing 19% of their shots uh, as offensive rebounds. So I think maybe low overs or a bet against Cincinnati is in order here because there's no way they're going to keep keep this up on the defensive glass. 3.9%, it is just um, uh, screaming for regression. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, I, I wish I would have been able to talk about this one yesterday with regards to Ohio State because – then they played 175 point 67 possession game yesterday against Notre Dame. But through the first three games against Illinois State, UMass Lowell, and Moorhead State, opponents against the Buckeyes, 29 of 94 from two, 27 of 71 from three. Yesterday, Notre Dame goes 50 of, or uh, excuse me, 30 of 59 from the floor. So that's one that regressed very, very quickly. Wish I would have caught on with that one, but it makes me think that maybe on Wednesday, judging by how bad Ohio State's defense was against Notre Dame, uh, maybe Purdue next Wednesday on the 16th uh, is the play there in that one against the Buckeyes. Yeah, I I could see that being the case. I I think that Purdue is a team that I'd rather bet on than bet against. And, you know, the only thing I would say to that is that Holtman's been really good early in the season ATS. And I think that Holtman is a very good coach. Uh, so is Painter. I'm not saying Painter's not a good coach, but um, Holtman's get, been a really good guy to back at the beginning of the season. So I don't know that I'm anxious to bet against Ohio State, but certainly a good point as far as Ohio State's uh, defense thus far. Um, some others that I wanted to say, UAB, fourth in effective field goal percentage defense so far this year. They're allowing 17.9% from three-point range. Regression is coming here in a big way. Andy Kennedy's teams weren't very good on defense in the past, and UAB is playing faster. They've played some really bad offensive teams, very bad. I'm going to look for spots to play overs here, and this is one of my favorites that I'm going to talk about here today. I think UAB overs could certainly have value in the next few games because I haven't really looked at their schedule here right as we're talking, but UAB has to play better offenses than they've played so far. You know, they've played some teams that cannot shoot the basketball at all. UAB overs going to be the look for me coming up and in their conference season. I think UAB could be a good over. UAB tonight playing Tuskegee. So that one really won't be counted on any sites. That's a lower division team. East Tennessee state on Saturday, Southern and Chattanooga after that. So a couple more teams that just aren't particularly great offensively. So, This is one where we have the chance to kind of wait and watch and bide our time 
once their schedule ramps up a little bit, maybe some golden fade opportunities on the Blazers. Yeah, I think that'll be the case. And you said Chattanooga, so I'm just going to go ahead and say my Chattanooga one real quick here. Chattanooga, how about their free throw defense so far this year? I love talking about these. Through four games, their opponents are shooting 47.4% from the charity stripe. Not likely to continue, definitely not continuing. So actually, you could say that Chattanooga overs could be a good one as well. So Chattanooga is playing a little bit quicker than they were last year. So maybe UAB and Chattanooga could be a good over. Yeah, I like that. I definitely like looking at that one. Chattanooga plays Bellarmine, Bellarmine, whatever the hell it's called uh, here tonight. So we'll see how they do from the free throw line. We'll see if they do any better here uh, against the mocks. I've got one that's also in action tonight. In fact, they're getting 11 and a half or 12 at home in this. Well, actually, I don't even know if it's at home. I don't know where they're playing since it's a California game, but Santa Clara is playing Cal Poly. And we talked about Santa Clara and the hiring of Herb Sendek two years ago now, whatever it was, but Santa Clara here, their opponents on the season shooting 32% from the floor overall, 74 for 231, 35.1% from two, 26.3% from three. Now maybe Santa Clara is just really good defensively, but I think I might take a look at Cal Poly plus 12 tonight, thinking some defensive regression is in the works here for Santa Clara. I think that makes sense. I also think the over could be a good look in that game because Santa Clara does play quickly. So if anybody starts shooting decent on them, they're playing at uh, the 12th fastest tempo. That was last year, 12th fastest tempo. This year, they're at 60th. So a little bit slower this year, but still pretty quick um, out of 357 teams. So Herb Syndex team playing quickly. You know, they, they really haven't played anybody that's very good on offense. So I think that's a good look to, to either go against Santa Clara or to bet overs here in the next few games. Yeah, good. I'm glad that, uh, you know, I know I'm playing a lot of catch up to the college basketball master here, but I'm, I'm trying to hold my own as much as I can on today's show. And I'll throw another one out there for you. And then we'll get back to the last one that you have. Davidson has only forced 31 turnovers in four games. And this was a problem for them last year too, with the research that I was doing, but keep in mind, I mean, Davidson annually with Bob McKillop is a very good offensive team. If they got themselves some extra possessions, I mean, they'd be even more dangerous. Yeah, you know, Davidson, a team that um, they they play like that in general. They're not going to turn the ball over very much, but, you know, that's pretty extreme. And I will say that Davidson's offense is always going to be good. You know, they're going to be very efficient on offense. I can't imagine them not being that. So Davidson overs, if, if the number gets low enough, probably makes some sense. I feel like I've said over a lot here today. I mean, I, I imagine yeah, you, people. You feeling all right? I, I was just going to, I was just going to say, I, I think everybody's going to be going, what, you know, overs now. I, I mean, I've, I've been pretty even on overs and under so far this year on my plays, but um, I tend to lean toward unders more often than not, mainly because the public likes playing overs. But I do think the over could be a good look in, in their games as well. Yeah, like I said, only 31 turnovers forced in four games. So again, if they get some extra possessions, uh, they should be in better shape. I guess I'll throw out one more because I got three more left to go here. Oakland, they are 0-6, but they're kind of pulling like one of those Long Beach State things where they play a bunch of really good teams at the outset. They've lost to Xavier, Toledo, Bradley, Michigan, Purdue, Oklahoma State, and they're going to lose to Michigan State on Sunday in all likelihood. But Oakland's going to have some really horrific numbers once they actually start playing teams on their level. So maybe they're going to become a play on team after they get through this non-conference gauntlet. Stop me if you've heard this before, but I think Oakland could be a good overs team as well. I mean, if you look at Oakland, they've been so bad on offense and with Campy, they're usually a good offensive team, but they're playing some really good defenses here. Oklahoma state, a really good defense this year. We know that a lot of the other teams that they've, that you mentioned that they've played are always good on, on defense. So I think Oakland's offense will improve. I think Oakland could be a good team to bet on when they get the weaker schedule and to play overs with. All right. So you got one here for the sun belt or as we like to call it on the show, the fun belt. Yeah. Arkansas state's offense, 23.7% of their shots have been blocked through four games. That's one of the more wild stats I've ever seen. It was 5.9% last year and the worst nation worst in the nation last year was 13.7% of shots blocked. Their offense should get better here. They're not going to keep getting a quarter of their shots blocked throughout the course of the season. So Arkansas State um, due for some positive regression there. Now, I, I'm not a Sunbelt expert, but I'll stay in the Sunbelt because I've got an interesting one too. And I, I presume 
and I think this is probably a safe presumption, South Alabama must play a zone defense because 65.9% of the shots taken against them through five games have been three-point attempts. I, that is mind-blowing to me. Maybe it's just the teams that they've played, but almost two-thirds of the shots against them coming from beyond the arc, that's nuts. Yeah, I think they mix it up and play some zone and some man. The thing is, um, I don't think you want to have 65% of shots no. taken against GB3s now because we you want to kind of funnel them to a bad mid-range jump shot. So not a great sign for, for South Alabama, to be honest. Uh, one more, South Dakota State. 46% from three to open the year. I, I feel like that one's probably only got one way to go and it's probably down. Yeah. South Dakota state's a good shooting team and they will shoot well from three point range, but 46%. Um, nobody's going to keep that up. And um, they shot really well against Bradley. I know that Bradley still almost won the game. So, um, you know, that's one that I would think that maybe, maybe the under could be a good way to look in some of South Dakota state's games going forward. Whoa, the under wait, what? <laughs> And then the one thing I'll say about that too is they're shooting 46% from three and all five of their games have been on the road, I believe. So, you know, we talk, obviously there are no fans, which I'm sure kind of throws off depth perception to a degree and stuff like that. But we talk about this all the time. Some teams just shoot a lot better at home than they do on the road and South Dakota state shooting the lights out, not even playing at home. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think they are a good shooting team and, and the summit league in general is going to shoot really well. So if you can find a team that's a good defense, betting and under could be valuable because uh, most teams don't play defense in the summit league. Now I know that there were a couple of games you want to talk about here quickly. One of them on Friday, one of them on Saturday, and you sort of like to go through kind of your handicap, maybe give people a little bit of a premium look ahead. And again, we will try to do more college basketball as we go forward here, just because the edges are much larger in college hoops right now than they are in college football. But Friday's game, Marquette and UCLA, the one that's on your mind. Yeah, this is one where I have a premium look at. I'm, I'm going to bet the under in this game. So this will be on my card on Friday unless there's some crazy low number. Uh, Marquette and UCLA, KP, Ken Palm has this 139. Um, 139 would be a good number for an under. Uh, Marquette is playing differently without uh, Howard from last year. So they're not a, not at all the same team. They're not playing nearly as quickly. You know, he was drawing so many fouls and getting to the line and making, you know, a really high percentage from the line. Marquette is a good defensive team this year. They're 12th in effective field goal percentage defense. We know UCLA is always going to play slow. They're a good defense with Mick Cronin. So, I think this could be a really good under. I don't have an opinion on the side, but you know, I'm hoping that UCLA plays a high-scoring game here on Wednesday night against San Diego so that maybe we get an even better number for UCLA and Marquette under. But this one will be on my card, UCLA, UCLA and Marquette under the total here Friday night. Uh, Torvik showing UCLA minus 4.7 for this game and a total of 142. So maybe you do end up getting a pretty good number there uh, for that Marquette and UCLA game. Last one you want to touch on here for Saturday. And again, I realize a little bit of a hurried show. I mismanaged the time on the college football side. So I apologize to all of our listeners for that. But Florida and Florida State, big time game here. Also, I believe an 11 a.m. Eastern time tip off Saturday morning. Yeah, and I I have a lot going on outside of this. So I apologize that I had to keep things a little bit quick here. But Florida and Florida State, you know, this is one where Florida State has won six times in a row when these two teams have played, unless I'm looking at this wrong uh, rivalry contest and Florida has been better than Florida state in several of these years in the past. And Florida state has beaten them. This is not a premium look ahead for me. The other game was the premium look ahead. I just have to say that I wanted to say this because Florida state's dominated Florida so much. And because this game starts at 11 o'clock, you know, this is a, a very strange game here. Um, usually those, early games that start so much earlier than normal would be good under looks. I know Florida's trying to play a lot faster this year. So I don't know if I love the under Um, Florida should be supremely motivated for this game, but Florida state's been a good team to bet early in the season under Leonard Hamilton. So I think this is a really good game to try to figure out about, about both teams. We talk about, even if you don't make a bet on a game, you can find out about those two teams is Florida for real this year. I think we find out a lot this Saturday. I want to steal one more minute of your time and I apologize for that, but I just want to ask this question because I noticed that there are some teams playing conference games already. What do you make of that? What do you make of teams playing early conference games? Does that change your handicap at all? 
I don't think in, in this year, 2020, that you can take too much from that. I mean, so many things are different. No fans, uh, different travel schedules, so many games getting postponed. I'm I'm pretty much uh, handicapping those the same way I would if, if they were later in the season. I mean, you know, it, it's just uh, there is no correct answer to that, I guess I'd say. So um, I don't think that we can make too much of that. And, uh, you know, we have to learn on the fly this year, certainly. Well, and again, our college basketball segments will continue to get stronger when we get, you know, to the full handicapping, the hardwood broadcast, as we get more sample size for all of these teams. And, you know, obviously as the strength of schedules kind of come to fruition and, and all of that, but always great to chat here with professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, what's happening over at the website right now, man? Well, I, I think I say it every week, but the free picks newsletter over there at huntersportspicks.com. We got two winners last weekend with Alabama minus 17 in the first half and then a teaser in the NFL, which, to be honest, was very lucky because the Raiders was one leg. So, um, you know, thanks to Greg Williams, I guess I should say. But, um, you know, th- that's something where I can give out plays that I can't, you know, the first halves and the teasers and things like that. It's been really successful. So if you don't want to pay for plays, go sign up for that free picks newsletter there at huntersportspicks.com. Well, always great to chat with Kyle Hunter again, professional better and handicapper from huntersportspicks.com at Kyle Hunter picks on Twitter. Very approachable responds to a lot of, uh, you know, mentions and DMS and everything else, but Kyle, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, man. There you go. There's Kyle Hunter. Once again, at Kyle Hunter picks on Twitter, huntersportspicks.com is the website coming up on Thursday. We'll chat with professional better and handicapper Brad powers from bradpowersports.com, all things, college football and the NFL Friday circa million picks for week 14. I'll give you my picks, my leans and a lay of the land in that contest. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.